Welcome, welcome. This is uh, Gabe Hernandez, your publisher in EIC for ComicalOpinions.com. It is Monday, November 13th, 2023. The op-ed today, we're going to look a little bit uh, at marketing and forecasting and prognosticating when it comes to uh, putting out your entertainment property, whatever it happened may be. Uh, if you're doing, if you're a comic creator, whether you're a writer or an artist or whatever you're trying to create that you eventually want to sell, uh, step number one is you have to understand who you're selling to, why, and whether or not they want what you're selling. And the example we're going to use, unfortunately, is a bad example, which is the Marvels, which is the latest MCU superhero film that just released uh, this past Thursday, I believe, as of this recording. So the numbers are looking pretty bad. Uh, that's not ex exactly unsurprising, but we're going to dig into a little bit, understand why that's not surprising, and hopefully that will serve as an interesting use case for you if you're trying to create your comic to understand when it comes to marketing and selling your comic, you really have to know who you're marketing and selling to. But before we do that, if you're uh, listening on to on any of our podcast platforms, a comment, leave a rating. That would be very, very helpful to give us more exposure, uh, give us more uh, uh, opportunity for the algorithms to pick us up and uh, and share us around to wherever you can. If you're so inclined, we'd appreciate it. Even if the comment is negative, we'll, we'll take your feedback any way we can because we're always trying to do better. If you're uh, watching on YouTube, Please like, share, comment, subscribe, and let us know how we're doing by leaving a comment below. Appreciate it. So we're going to jump right, up, right into the op-ed to talk a little bit about the numbers. So as of the time you watch this video or listen to this podcast, it's Monday, and the Marvels has been out for about three or four days at this point. And by all accounts and early forecast numbers, it's a, it's going to be a financial flop. Nobody wants that. Nobody necessarily sets out to make a bad movie, but that's just the way it is. And we sort of took took a step back and said, well, we knew it was going to be a flop, new in quotation marks, meaning we we sort of had a really good idea that it was going to be a flop. But the question is why and what can we learn from this? Because we also, as comic creators and as people who are very much impassioned by the comic industry, we want to know how we can do better as far as selling comics and getting into the hands of more people uh, at, at any given time. So... We always start with the with the first rule is you got to know thy audience. You have to know who you're selling to, who you're marketing to, what they're interested in, what they like, what they don't like, and whether or not the Marvels kind of speaks to the biggest audience possible that's going to give the most ROI possible for Marvel Studios and Disney. Uh, so if you look at the posters, and there's a, there's a sample in the in the thumbnail for the video, but there if you go you watch the trailers on YouTube, uh, look at the television commercials. Uh, listen to the um, anybody who's talking about it from uh, official Marvel channels. They're all going to tell you very similar things. And what it really breaks down is a, a number of bullet points about who they're trying to market to and why. Uh, so the first component is you have to understand who are the leads, who are the main characters in this film, and how do people know them and how do people relate to them and associate it with them. Two of the three leads, Monica Rambeau, and Kamala Khan, you only know either from the comics, if you're a diehard comics fan or comics reader, and if you particularly like their comics, and or if you watch the Disney Plus shows. Uh, so you're already you're kind of catering down to a much smaller audience. If you're going to say, how many people know Monica Rambeau versus Steve Rogers as Captain America or Tony Stark as Iron Man? The difference in populations is staggeringly different. <laughs> It's a much tiny audience that knows who Monica Rambeau is compared to Steve Rogers and Tony Stark, as an example. Uh, it's a Marvel superhero film. So uh, if you're 
kind of up to speed on what's going on with the MCU, especially currently Phase 4, now leading into Phase 5. If you haven't been disillusioned or jaded by the number of Marvel Marvel film kind of flops, and I, I think it's fair to say that if you go look at Quantumania and uh, all the different series that have, that have popped up, She-Hulk, that was pretty terrible. All the things that have been coming out with respect to the MCU past Endgame, has really been down on a downturn. So if you have the Marvel fans who aren't disillusioned and jaded by all that stuff, that's who this movie is going to appeal to. People who are still diehard Marvel fans that haven't been put off by the the, the reduced quality of the MCU in the current phase. Um, the main character, or the main Marvel character, I should say, is or superhero, I should say, is Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. Now, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your point of view, both Brie Larson as a, as an actor and Captain Marvel as an MCU character have been a bit divisive on uh, on the internet, forums, news articles, social media. Take your pick. Uh, so there are some people who are really diehard into Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. There are a lot of people who are also really put off by Brie Larson and Captain Marvel, especially the current incarnation of Captain Marvel, uh, which is very different from um, her beginnings as Ms. Marvel back in the 70s and 80s and all that connection, uh, the, the sort of the modern, modern incarnation of Captain Marvel. Definitely not everybody's cup of tea, and the comic sales bear that out. Her series has been canceled and restarted uh, seven, eight times at this point over the past decade, and that's that's not a good sign of, of customer or, I should say, um, comic reader buy-in. So if you're really into Captain Marvel, great. If you're not into Captain Marvel, that's the other point to consider. Uh, the next point is kind of bizarre to me. I, I guess the marketing team had something in their head when they when they went through with this, but a lot of the marketing material seems to be very focused on cats, people who like cats, people who think cats are cute, people who are just super duper into cats. There are cat posters. Now, I know the uh, in the comics, they refer to the cat as Chewy, but in, in the, uh, I forget what the, what the film version of the cats, uh, Captain Marvel's cat is technically a flurkin, which is an alien species that can do these huge tentacle things out of its mouth and eat people. I suppose that's cute. Some people like that. Uh, I personally did not. Uh, but they're really leaning in on on the character of liking cats and presumably the audience also liking cats. So if you're, and they even had character posters with nothing but cats. It's a bizarre move, but they're definitely pushing towards appealing to people who like cats. And uh, if we go with the last option, which is a little bit more complex, I, I try to simplify it in the op-ed, but it, it, it definitely is, there's more uh, nuance to it, is the, all the main characters, the three primary leads, and the villain, all strong female leads. They're, and the only male character that we see that is somebody who's recognizable is Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury, which wasn't <laughs> his, his latest outing in Secret Evasion on the Disney Plus show was kind of terrible. So there are effectively, no disrespect to Samuel Jackson, there are no strong female leads or I should say no strong male leads in this film. So they're definitely catering towards people who want to see a superhero film with strong female leads, both as the hero and as the villain, which is, in this case is Darven, who is, if I understand correctly, is Tom Hiddleston's, was played by Tom Hiddleston's wife. You, know, you can draw your own conclusions there. I'm not going to necessarily say that's a for sure thing, but I, I suspect that he had something to do with it. And she plays basically a second-rate uh, uh not a Thanos level character by any stretch, uh, maybe a second rate Ronan the Accuser. I'm not quite sure. We'll see. So 
what happens is when you take all those different aspects of who they're trying to appeal to, they're trying to appeal to people who have seen the Disney Plus shows and know the characters from the Disney Plus shows. They're trying to appeal to people who aren't necessarily jaded by the MCU. They're trying to appeal to people who like Brie Larson as Captain Marvel, the current incarnation of Captain Marvel. Uh, they're trying to also appeal to people who like cats or have a very strong affinity for cats. And they're trying to appeal to people who want to see superhero action films where both the, the heroes and the villains are all played by strong female characters. Uh, what's interesting about that is when it comes to a marketing perspective, we talk about Venn diagrams, which is overlap of audiences. When you add up, tally up all those different marketing angles and perspectives, they don't expand, they overlap. So what happens is you take your biggest audience and that that audience actually filters and scales down. So the more qualifiers you put on that audience, the smaller it gets. It doesn't make it bigger. All those qualifiers make it smaller. It's the exact opposite of what, what some people might think. So when we take all those factors into account, we do the math and say, okay, how do we do the math? We need to understand our audience population. And unfortunately, there is no exact answer for that metric of who does that audience, uh, what, what's the size of that audience? So we're going to go back, and this is sort of like a... Uh, unofficial uh, sequel to the video we or uh, the newsletter we did a couple weeks ago related to the size of the LGBT audience who likes LGBT characters as the main character of their uh, comic book. We're going to pull from some of those same data sources because it's still valid. So we went back to uh, Brett Schechter's uh, demographic information from graphic policy and we pulled his most recent facebook data which is basically the only data that's available that kind of looks at that angle from a very specific comics focused perspective and in that report we see that there are effectively 61 people 61 ish million people in the united states who like comics stick with me i know this is getting dry but it kind of really spells out the point of this is a very short analysis that's going to get you to a number and when you see that number, it's going to seem very predictable, especially when the actual numbers pan out from the film. Uh, so of that 61 million, 31 million are women who like comics. So now we start with a population in the United States of 31 million from Facebook. Then we can extrapolate that out to say uh, the number of, of adults from Pew Research data. And we have all the links to all the different reports and news articles that cite all this information. Pew Research says that about seven out of 10 or 70% of the people of adults on faith or, or adults in the United States are on Facebook. So that we can extrapolate that out, which means 44 million women in the United States like comics, which is the number that we're kind of going with as an estimate. Then we pull from a different other number of different sources about how many people or how many subscribers in the US uh, are on Disney Plus. 45% of those are women, which means about 55. 55 million people, so we can average that out to be somewhere around 50 between the two. Uh, Policy Advisory Report says that about 25.4% of the households in the United States are cat owners. And Forbes rating report for Disney Plus shows the number of people who have watched WandaVision, which is where uh, Monica Rambeau from the film comes from, is 1.6 million viewers. And I'm just spattling off numbers. It's kind of boring. It's kind of dry. But if you go through, you can see where all the information comes from. So... What we're saying is you can't pin it down to a specific number, but you can pin it down to a range. On the low end, it's all the people who watched effectively the Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel show on Disney Plus, because that kind of combines all those demographics together at the lowest end of the range, which in this case is 776,000, not a lot. I mean, it's three quarters of a million people. If you go on the biggest upper range, how many women in the United States, adult women in the United States that like cats and like comic books, 
it rounds out to about 11.1 million. I know it's dry, but stick with me. So if we go by the New York Times article that cites from 2022 that the average ticket price for a movie ticket, so just a single ticket, is $11.75. I know that it varies from state to state, from city to city. <laughs> it's just an average. You can read the article for yourself and you see where it comes from. That means that in the United States, if everyone who was a woman who likes superheroes or superhero comics, who also like cats, and every one of those people bought a single ticket to the Marvels, the number winds up being as low as $9.2 million to as high as $130.4 million. That's it. And then that's domestic. So then if you count worldwide, which we're doing a rule of thumb that says the worldwide take is about one and a half times the domestic take. And that varies from, from film to film and from season to season. But when you round, when you put all those numbers together, it says that the worldwide take for the Marvels as an estimate based solely on who they're targeting to and what the what is the interest and the likes of that target audience, it's $326 million. That's nothing to sneeze at. But, it's a, but then now we get to the other side of that question is, that's how much you can make, how much did it cost? And so if we go by the recent Variety report, the film cost about $220 million to make, and they spent roughly $100 million on marketing, which is trailers, uh, they couldn't do appearances because they were going through the SAG after, after strike, uh, and just whatever, posters, all, all the things that go in, commercials, I think they had a commercial on uh, on several of the NFL football games. When you round, when you put all that together, the cost of the film roughly is three hundred twenty million dollars. So right off the bat, what you can see is that the amount of money that that you can expect to make based upon the marketing, the demographics, and who they're trying to appeal to is going to be about three hundred twenty-six million. How much did they spend to make the film, including marketing? Three hundred twenty million. So that's a differential of about six million, which is a plus or minus standard deviation. So effectively, it's a wash at best. Are those numbers wrong? We'll see. We'll find out probably in two or three weeks. So we'll, after people have had time to get word of mouth and circulate through. But looking at the early box office numbers as of box office mojo numbers as of today, as when we're filming this, uh, the numbers are pretty low. <laughs> so will they get to that 326 million? Maybe. But the point, but the reason I'm putting all this together is if I'm an executive at Disney and Marvel Studios and I say, okay, is this film worth making the way you're crafting it and the way you're targeting it, the answer is probably not. I mean, at, if these numbers hold true, you're looking at a wash, which is not a good thing. Nobody, nobody wants to spend hundreds of millions of dollars on a movie just to make it a wash. That's dumb. <sighs> but that's, you know, that's where we are with modern Marvel and uh, the MCU. So we reel this back and say, okay, what does this mean from a comic creating perspective, right? That's the whole point of this op-ed and this site and this channel and everything I do and everything the team does and all we're doing is what's the point? Well, how do you apply this to comics? The methodology is the same. Look at the kind of comic that you want to create. There's this sort of kind of weird uh, delusional notion that if you build it, they will come. That's nonsense. That's Hollywood nonsense. It's never worked. It's never going to work. So the uh, if you build it, they will come is... A pipe dream you have to understand what you're creating who you're creating it for how big that audience is and what's the what's your return on investment if you're going if the intention is to sell your comic if you have money to burn and you just want to put a comic out there and you don't care who buys it more power to you god bless you do what you want to do but if you want to create a comic because you want to sell that comic you want to sell it to as many people as possible and eventually build a career and maybe even a, a business out of 
selling comics, you have to understand your audience. And so what that means is if I'm creating a horror comic where the, the main theme is ghosts, as an example, well, you're going after people who like the paranormal stuff, who like uh, ghosts, who like horror, and who also read comics. Those numbers are available, at least as an estimate anyway. You have to go after those numbers, figure out how big that audience is, and that's who you target with your communications. That's who you target with your marketing. Now, the other part of that too is that's why it's important if you're an independent creator to create a platform for yourself. So whether it's on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter or Instagram or wherever else that you're building your platform, get people to follow you knowing what it is that you create. What is your passion? If you like creating romance drama comics, start building a following based specifically on that. So that way, when you do get your comic done and you're saying, here we go, I'm, I'm, I'm giving this out to you, everybody who's following you and everybody who's um, watching what you're doing, they already know what to expect and that you are giving them what they already like because you've told them what you're going to give them. You are attracting the audience for the thing that you are creating. That's why building platforms is so important. On the flip side of that, that's also why it is a very bad idea if you're a comic creator and you have a social media presence on whatever platform it happens to be, that you start mixing in a bunch of stuff. And what I mean by that is if you're a, let's say you're a famous, you know, semi-famous or at least notable comic artist and you have a pretty sizable Twitter platform, if you spend all day uh, spouting stuff off about the wars in between Ukraine and Russia and the climate change and um, uh, the state of police brutality in whatever particular region of South America you can think of. If you're mixing all that stuff in, you're going to attract your audience, but you're attracting your audience for different things. So when it comes time to say, hey, I have this comic, go buy it. Well, if people are following you because of your hot takes about the political corruption in South America, they're not interested in comics. They're interested in your hot takes about political corruption in, in South America. If you want to do that, free country, free speech, you do what you want. Create a separate account for that. Create a burn, uh, not a burner account, but just a separate account that says, this is my account where I just talk about stuff that interests me. If you want to follow me for comics, this is the account you follow. You have to split that up. Because if you just talk about anything that crosses your mind, you start attracting an audience that is just interested in all the different things that cross your mind. So when you're ready to sell your comic, they're not going to be interested because that's not what they're following you for. You have to curate your audience. You've heard me use that word before. I'm going to use it again. You have to curate your audience. If you want an audience that is following you and interested in you because of comics, you have to stick to that topic and make sure that everybody who's attracted to you and everybody who's following you is interested in comics. Uh, conversely, if you want to make a comic directed at a particular audience, so let's say it's a superhero comic, you have to stay connected and stay on topic for topics of superheroes and superhero comics and say you're, you're an artist stay on topic of what it's like to draw superheroes stay on topic if you want to talk about all the other stuff create a separate account you have to do that or else you're going to get a mixed message audience and when it's time to sell your comic they're not going to know what you're talking about these are the lessons we can learn from uh, unfortunately hollywood's flops in this case uh marvel and mcu and disney so that's the op-ed for today let me know what you think Please like, share, comment, subscribe down below. Leave a comment. Let's move on to the rest of the newsletter. We're going to talk about the reviews of the week. And uh, let's see. Uh, fairly okay week. Fairly okay week. Uh, so the, um, oh, 
before we get into that, yes, I want to talk about this. So as I mentioned last week, we're going to start a new series talking about how the going, you're actually going to, we're going to document and you're going to follow along with us on the process of creating a comic book script. So we just released our first video on Friday as of this viewing, you know, last Friday. And the first thing we're going to do is we're going to select our superhero character. It's going to be a superhero comic. So watch the video. You can see who we've selected and why. And I don't think it's going to be a big surprise, but it's definitely somebody that most people may not even have heard of. But it is somebody that is a pre-created character from the public domain. Watch the video. You can see where we're going. And the next step in the video series is we're going to start creating our character Bibles, where we're going to start mapping out who they are, what they're all about, and then we can use that information to start crafting our story. So follow along. If you're not already subscribed to our YouTube channel, please it's uh, the links are in the newsletter and uh, follow along. We'd love to have you. Uh, all right. So moving on to the reviews of the week, we have uh, Francis and the Vegas Tramps and the Central Sisters, number five. Those are both indie sub submissions. Uh, our pick of the week, Transformers number two. No surprise. Actually, pretty close. This was a hard decision. Transformers number two was a hard decision because there were a couple other uh, comics that came out mostly from Image and one from AWA. So it was a really close call. A lot of strong stuff coming out this week. None of it from Marvel and DC. So that's just the way of it. But yeah, uh, the Enfield Gang Massacre, number four, also from Image. That was one of the contenders because it's a really great series. Creepshow, volume two, number three, for, also from Image. Uh, Sheena, Queen of the Jungle, Fatal Exams, number three. That series is kind of losing me a little bit. We'll, so we'll see if it gets any better. The Madness, number four, from AWA Studios. This is from J. Michael Straczynski. Please do not sleep on that series. It is excellent if you like kind of the boys but without the satire that's the comic for you so if you if you like superhero comics with a lot of violence and anger and rage but without the kind of the jokiness of it pick that one up uh army of darkness forever number two which that was definitely an improvement for the first issue uh vampirella dracula range number three from dynamite project reese number four from mad cave Scarlet Couture, The Munich File from number four from Titan Comics. Yes, that's right. Uh, the Accursed number two from Blood Moon Comics. Midnight Western Theater, Witch Trial number two from Scout. Adam, The Beginning, volume six. That is the manga series that is a prequel to Astro Boy. So if you like robot smashing type manga stories, that's the one for you. Mundus Tenebris, number two from Blood Moon and White River Monster, number one, also from Blood Moon. Uh, looking at the week to come, we have Anubis Prophecy, number one, from and Wire Fences, both indie submissions. The next one, this has just as much hype as the Transformers car, uh, uh, comic book. G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, number 301 from Image Comics. This is the second kind of Hasbro line that got picked up by Image and Skybound's imprint under Robert Kirkman. It is written by Larry Hama, who is famous for writing G.I. Joe. So I'm really looking forward to this one. So it's it's coming, and, and we'll see how that turns out. And then its closest competitor is not, not a surprise. Big Game Number 5 from Mark Miller, also at Image Comics. And that's the finale to that the summer crossover event uh, from Mark Miller, and it's that's that's been a fantastic series so far. I'm really interested, interested to see which is a, a better two, uh, which of the two comics are better, the GI Joe comic or Big Game. It's going to be close. We'll see how it turns out. Uh, Fish, Fly, Fish flies number three from Jeff Lemire, also from Image. Spawn number three forty seven. Uh, that's continuing the Hell Heaven Hell War, uh, and uh, Antarctica number five, also from Image Comics. Image has got a lot of strong offerings this week. So we'll see how it turns out. Lovecraft, the, the Call of Cthulhu from Zenoscope. 
Red Song You, Volume 7, Number 5. That's the continuation of their anniversary miniseries. Uh, Crusader, Crusader Number 3 from Mad Cave. Uh, try Again, Volume no, Number 1. Volume 1, I should say. Uh, from Tokyo Pop. This is under their War Caesar imprint, which is basically Black-owned, Black-themed, uh, uh, manga-inspired stories. So the, 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 their earlier offerings have been pretty strong so far. And then we have Talks Number 4 from blood moon comics so that's it for today as always please uh, uh follow along subscribe to our uh, various social media channels and for and youtube and, and uh follow us on pod podcast platforms leave a comment let us know how we can do better and uh what we can share for you what we can write for you what we, what we can create for you to help make the site better and to kind of earn your trust and <laughs> and to bring you along on our journey uh so that's it this is uh, gabe fernandez for comicalopinions.com your publisher in eic it is monday november th 13th have a fantastic day god bless and i'm signing off <laughs>